All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Got the Money Wise guys back inside the Money Wise studio with me for this weekend show. I have my brother Jeff, Joe Rust, and I am your host, Kyle Davidson. For any new listeners to the Money Wise program, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor. We're in our 33rd year of business, and with offices in Corpus Christi and San Antonio, we have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Money Wise podcast or Apple podcast or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. Well, as we kick off every weekend's Money Wise program, I turn it over to my brother, Jeff, to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. So, Jeff, take it away. Okay, in the week just passed, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down about 20 points or one-tenth of 1%. The S&P 500 last week was up about 36 points, or eight-tenths of 1%. And the NASDAQ last week was up about 147 points, or 1.1%. Now, for the year to date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 6.3%. The S&P 500 is down 8% year-to-date. And the NASDAQ year-to-date is down 12 and one-half percent. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Well, what a week. On Wall Street, what a week! Yeah, I mean, just a just a little oh, almost two thousand point reversal on the Dow Jones Industrial Average from the opening on Thursday to the close on Friday. Just a little, I mean, eighteen hundred points, no big deal. Uh, that that's that's the wild ride we call Wall Street, right? I used to use that phrase all the time way back in the day on the Money Wise program, so I just resurrected it for the Thursday and Friday of this past week. In fact, on Friday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average had its best day since November of 2020, so well more than a year since we've seen that. And, Jeff, as you just mentioned, from Thursday's open to Friday's close, 1,800 points of reversal, and and I and I've got to say I go on the record because we've been talking about it for the past couple of weeks of things that were going on between Russia and Ukraine and I thought to myself you know there was going to be a lot of posturing from Vladimir Putin I just didn't think he would have the gall to uh to come into another country and do what he's doing and I'm going to have to eat a little bit of crow cuz I am very shocked at what has transpired over the last 48 hours uh in the Ukrainian area and what Russia is doing. I think yeah, that's shocking and, and the reversal that has occurred in the face of all, all this in terms of the, the market averages. We're just looking at the Dow and the exact number was 1,731 points. Uh, the Dow got 
got to a low of a little over 32,300 at near the opening on Thursday. Uh, the, the campaign, the, the war campaign in the Ukraine began for us Wednesday night headed into Thursday morning and the futures fell out of bed. Uh, and there was definitely an indication that the markets were going to be uh, challenged at the opening on Thursday. That's exactly what happened, but it wasn't challenged very long. And the rally that began in, uh, later in the morning and into the afternoon uh, and then accelerated late into the afternoon to the close. Uh, and I was, we had made a number of changes in the portfolio. We, we, we were, we were talking, uh, we had what about a two, a two and a half hour portfolio strategy meeting Thursday morning, right, right at the it opening. Like all more than that. I, I think <laughs> it, I think it was, I think it was closer to three hours, Jeff. Yeah, I, I had to have a couple of stitches in my forehead. Uh, I'm, I'm joking, ladies and gentlemen. There was no fighting, <clears throat> but, uh, a spirited discussion about portfolio strategy. Nonetheless, but sometimes they are. Uh, it kind of felt, you know, we, we kind of felt a little, little COVID-ish. You know, we kind of felt like March of 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 2020 uh, when we were discussing changes that we were considering making to the portfolio. And uh, as the discussion continued and the market started to turn around, and we you know reviewed our portfolio top to bottom as we're always doing, uh, and decided to make a few changes. The, the changes, the net result of the changes were profits taken in a number of stocks, uh, profits taken in, in, uh, one mutual fund, the same mutual fund that we had reduced at the beginning of 2020 and, and, 2020, uh, and retro- 2022. Uh, pardon, pardon me, 2020, <laughs> at the beginning of 2022. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, and I was I was glad that we had made those the particular change in that mutual fund at the beginning of the year, and we we again reduced that mutual fund a little bit more. Um, and so the net result was was in profits uh, taken in the portfolios, and our exposure to stocks uh, decreased slightly, somewhere around four uh, percent overall at the end of the day. The other thing that uh, we completed in the week just passed. Uh, was the finishing of the selling of bonds that matured in the year 2025. Uh, that was finished up at the beginning uh, of the week just passed. So we now in our, in our bond, in our portfolios that own individual bonds, we no longer own any bond that matures beyond the year 2024. And we're going to, we're going to be increasing our asset allocation to our Floating rate exchange traded fund, uh, on Monday, uh, based on some of this cash that we've raised from the sale of bonds here over the last uh, few weeks. It's hard to say whether, you know, has the world, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of things in the media talked about this week that the, the world has changed, uh, again, uh, with what's happened in Ukraine. And, and what Putin is doing, um, you know, if we, he did this in Crimea in 2014, uh, maybe not to the extent that he's doing right now in the Ukraine, uh, but it's a communist country and he's, he's an enemy of, of free countries everywhere. And, uh, we, 
the United States and its allies uh, are going to, are currently responding in a basically going after them economically. And I hope it doesn't come to a military conflict. And that's the one thing that we have to be mindful of in these portfolios is that that, uh, if a military conflict potentially could be on the horizon, though it isn't right now. Well, let's take another commercial break because I've got some things to say and can't get them in before the first break. So let's take that break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at one 800 275 if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Money Wise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite podcast streaming apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So just continuing our recap of Wall Street from last week, you know, huge reversal from Thursday to Friday in the markets. You know, we had been in this corrective period really since the first week of this year, and we've talked about it at really at nauseum on the Money Wise program with a lot of traders, a lot of the algorithms really trying to handicap what the Federal Reserve was, is going to be doing on their March 15th, March 16th meeting. Are they going to raise interest rates? The answer is yes, but really by how much? Is it going to be a quarter of 1% or half of 1%? Well, then Vladimir Putin throws us the, the geopolitical curveball, and that is the one thing that all investors have to understand and why active management is such a critical component of each and every single portfolio because there's always these outlying events that no one anticipates. You know, even I, and I'll admit myself, I never thought that Vladimir Putin was going to attempt to have some type of military insurgency in Ukraine and a peaceful neighboring country well i think it's pretty much written on the wall now that vladimir putin being a former kgb agent has the visions of grandeur of reunifying the old soviet union the ussr and with ukraine being one of the few and only neighboring countries that's not a part of nato they were the easiest target to go after now, I think he has a bigger road to hoe if he tries to go into Belarus, Latvia, Lithuania, the other countries that were part of the former, you know, Estonia is another one, part of the former USSR Soviet Union that are members of NATO. Because when you look at his military and the fact that Russia spends 8% of their GDP, and their GDP is smaller than that of the state of Texas, they have a much larger force of military hardware, technology, and soldiers of these NATO countries that spend 20 times what Russia spends. So although he might have visions of grandeur, I think he's going to pretty much hit a brick wall if he tries to come and move his forces into NATO-backed countries. So it's going to be very difficult for, for us as portfolio managers or any portfolio manager to try to handicap militarily what he might do uh what we have to do as portfolio managers is 
is try and come up with a strategy uh, in a, now that the world is definitely more dangerous. Uh, I, I'm not saying you know, we're, this is a, we're not going to World War III next week. That's not where we're at. But you know, clearly, the world is a little more dangerous than it was uh, six months ago, and that has implications for the future. Yes, Joe. Well, I think it also makes it more complicated because how, with the Fed meeting coming up, with tackling rates, inflation, energy's at play here. And if we get a substantial increase in energy costs via sanctions or something else, what's that? You know, what what is that going to do with what the Fed's trying to do as far as raising rates? I think, you know, and Kyle and I were talking about it earlier this week. Maybe he's, maybe that's going to solidify the fact that he's just going to the Fed's going to raise them. Slowly and, and, and incrementally, and maybe twenty-five basis points versus fifty. That might be off the table. Yeah, so I think that's totally maybe, off. The maybe table. the market likes that, but go ahead. Well, and and I agree with you, Joe. I think with what's happening over in Ukraine with Russia, I think the fifty base. I, I never felt confident that he was going that the Fed was going to be doing a fifty basis point or half a one percent increase, just because you don't end quantitative easing and then slap the market, even though with a fifty basis point increase, even though we know they're behind the curve when it comes to inflation, but we again have spoken about this on the Money Wise program ad nauseum that this inflation is not driven by cheap money borrowing and excess spending from the consumer. It's really a end effect of the COVID pandemic in which we now, it seems like we're going to be moving into endemic phase because I've heard that the CDC is getting ready to change their yeah. mandates when it comes to masks. So that's a good thing. We're, we're allowed to finally get back to life as normal, but uh, Jeff is laughing. Yeah, I knew he had to sneak, sneak that in. Good. I was going to say that because we have the the State of the Union address is coming up in the next week. I believe it's on Tuesday. March 1st, I'll correct, March 1st. correct me if I'm wrong. I'll be I'll be meeting I'll be meeting with our oldest client that evening in in Round Rock. So I might I might not get to see this all the speech, but I'm I'm sure there's going to be victory declared over COVID. Wouldn't be surprised <laughs> that they re, if they remove all the federal mandates and federal vaccine. Uh, mandates uh, and and pat themselves on the back and say we defeated COVID. That's my political comment for the day, ladies and gentlemen. Getting back oh, to that's it. Oh, come getting, on. You know, getting let's, back to getting, it. yeah, getting back to uh, this inflation uh, question and you know Kyle talking about it being COVID related and all that. I it started with COVID and and now that COVID is really Nothing to me, something more of a of a flu like illness, that not in terms of the seriousness of when people get potentially infected with it, but just how it's becoming endemic in our in our society, and we've we have ways to to fight against it and immunize ourselves from it if we choose. Um, this the inflation that's now with us that was originally talked about as being transitory uh, it, it's not transitory anymore in my opinion now how high does it get how much does the fed dis- to try to factor out the uh the oil effect because of what's happening in ukraine you know how do they how do they say okay we'll allow inflation to run 
we maybe we won't be as aggressive with our interest rate increases with a given level of inflation because it's being skewed by the geopolitical situation that has occurred because of Russia's uh, invasion of Ukraine. How much does that figure in to the thinking? Uh, they're not going to raise 50 basis points. It just it just not, does not seem possible at this point. As upset as the markets got this week because of what happened in Ukraine, I mean, tremendous movements in the market in a single week. It's been a, you might have to go back to the COVID days to have movements in the market like this, uh, like we just had. Uh, but but the net effect, you know, for the week there was wasn't really much of an effect in terms of changes to the market averages. You know, we're still. We're still in correction territory for the NASDAQ, though at one time in the week just passed, it was in a, in a bear market territory because it was down more than 20%. Uh, but it's had a you know, huge reversal since then. The Dow and the S&P, as we go out on Friday, are, are not even in correction territory. But they're still down you know, 6%, 8% respectively, and that's got investors' attention. And with what's you know, the way that I look at it is we've had those three straight years of double-digit returns. And when you have three straight years of double-digit returns, the probabilities are in the fourth year of having double-digit returns again is very low, very, very low. It, our base case for the year was low single-digit returns. Well, that was No, mine was mid to higher single-digit returns. I, that was my base case. Yes. Okay, my base case was uh, well, and I, I'm, let me clear, clarify that. That was low single-digit returns in a balanced portfolio. I'm not talking about just stocks by themselves. I'm talking about okay. overall returns. Fair enough. It was low low single-digit returns. Well, low single-digit returns, and, and, and we're you know balanced a balanced portfolio right now is running somewhere between minus six and minus seven percent. We still have ten months left to go in the year. So we need to be up about 10% from here in a balanced portfolio to get low single-digit returns uh, for the entire year. Well, stocks are going to have to you know, pick up some steam. I don't see that happening in the first half of the year. I think it's more of a second half of the year thing. And what's happened in the last week has not necessarily made me feel more motivated to to want to want to increase allocations to stocks and portfolios, uh, because we still have the Fed, we still have inflation, we still have to uh, live with an environment economically where I think growth is going to be slowing, and it's not helping. Geo geopolitical risk is not helping uh, in terms of investor psyche, uh, consumer psyche. I don't think it helps having that that going on and that also has to, to, in my opinion a compressing effect on growth I know we have just a few seconds left here in this in this yeah, segment. I mean and I like, know you've got something to reply? say that's right I, I we'll have, have to, to wait it. until after the break for the rebuttal <laughs> well I just before we do go to break I mean I do think back to the inflation comments I mean obviously with what's happening in the Ukraine when it comes to oil and gas and gasoline prices that is going to be an inflationary effect that we're going to continue to be dealing with, you know, well, well past, you know, if anything settles down in Ukraine, which I'm going to pick up at this point on the other side of the break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Money Wise, guys, will be back after this. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at one 800 275 Two one six two. If you like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Money Wise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning in this weekend's Money Wise program, continuing to recap Wall Street from last week, kind of the wild ride. We call Wall Street, and I was making a point before we went to the bottom of the hour break, you know, talking about inflation, and again, my strong feelings that a lot of the inflation that consumers are feeling is really an end effect, is really an end effect of COVID and the COVID lockdowns, people not working, factories not working, supply chain issues, and a lot of consumers spending money on products and not as, not as much on services, creating this imbalance in the economy. But one aspect of inflation that is going to be here to stay for a much longer period of time is obviously going to be the cost of fuel. And what happened overseas between Ukraine and Russia this past week is definitely not going to be helping the situation. And to compound, and, and to compound the problem is the Biden policies or the lack thereof, other than just shutting down everything President Trump had done from an energy standpoint to help the U.S. become energy independent and us becoming net exporters. So, you know, here is a chance for the Biden administration to use the conflict between Russia and Ukraine as the turning point in their horrendous energy policy decisions when President Biden took office. And he can say, look, I I still care about the environment. And I'm here to say, folks, all three of us, we care about Mother Earth. We care about the environment. But we have to have wise policies. We cannot continue to enrich our enemies through oil and gas. We just can't do that. And so what we need to do is get back to logical energy policies here in the U.S., getting the Keystone XL pipeline up and running, get leases going again on federal lands, drill, baby, drill, so we can get back to the point where net exporter to help our European partners are the other European countries with the situation they have with oil and gas and really cut the head of the snake off being Putin. You know, one thing that the one reason why Putin invaded Ukraine is because Putin didn't like sending $2 billion a year to Ukraine for access to their pipelines, their old pipeline infrastructure. That's the other reason why they were building the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which has now been shut down by the sanctions which is a good thing. And by the Biden administration sanctions were strong, but not strong enough because they still allowed Ukraine to stay in the SWIFT, I mean, not Ukraine, Russia, to stay in the SWIFT banking system. So they can still collect money, petrodollars, from the SWIFT, SWIFT banking system. So that's kind of the break glass in case of emergency last resort sanction that the Biden administration is holding on to. But... The, the whole I, I heard I heard someone last night or on Thursday night talk about it, saying that we're going to call this the Build Back Better pipeline, the Build Back Better energy policy here in the United States, until the far left, hey, we care about Earth, 
but we care about human lives and people not getting killed and hurt and maimed over oil and gas and what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. And so we need to start becoming energy independent once again and use that as the fulcrum moment to get back to more sane energy policies. Now, if that was to happen in a perfect world, I'm not holding my breath on the Biden administration to be changing their mindset on this, but let's just say that, that they grew a brain and they decided to go go. back, to go back to the, to to go back to the Trump policies on energy. It's still going to take a long time for that to filter into the market. So, and I will get off my soapbox. I'm not a, an expert in, in energy exploration by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, we do have a few clients that uh, have wells on their property, and from what I understand, and these you know, this is the small sampling, is there's many wells that have that are partially completed or completed and just shut down because oil prices were just, they didn't feel the, the, the owners of the wells didn't feel that like oil prices were high enough uh, to justify pro- pulling the oil out of the ground. Well, that's changing. So I don't, I, I mean, I don't know how much additional quote, you know, drilling needs to be done. Um, well, they, well, they just go out and start these wells up again. Yeah. That's going to take time. Uh, this whole Ukraine thing may be over faster then we all think it's winter time also, you know, over there. And so there's a lot of fuel and there's a lot of demand for fuel because it's winter time and that, that, that demand may, may go down as things warm up and, and the, the supply issues and the reasons that driving up oil prices and oil prices. I think if I pull up a chart of oil, it's not really up that much. We, we did get over a hundred dollars a barrel in the week just passed for the first time, I think since 2016. No, I mean, I'm sorry, but I think it was 2014. 2014. So it's been a number of years since we got to $100 oil. And as Dad would say, if he was on the show, he would say it kind of tongue-in-cheek, uh, high oil prices is not bad for South Texas. Uh, yes, we all are having to pay a little bit of price for it, but there's a lot of oil refining capacity and a lot of uh, of money being made on high oil prices. You know, like it or not, right or wrong, you know, we have oil in our portfolios. We have several oil stocks. They've all done very well. Uh, some of us have even discussed maybe this is a, you know, we're topping out in oil. Maybe we should be selling them, uh, and taking our profits and moving on. Uh, that's, that's left to be seen. Uh, so inflation to me is, is now it, it, it was lower for longer for a long time. I think it's going to be higher for longer, for longer than we all expect. And the reasons for that are there's 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 dozens of reasons why that's the case. Yes, Joe. Well, what's interesting is earlier this week, Jeff and I were talking about inflation and interest rates, and going back to the Reagan days in, in 1980 when inflation and interest rates were double digits. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years that we pulled up, the market still performed five to six percent better uh, than what inflation was. So, the, so you know what we're getting at is yes, we love the stock market. It's, what we're getting at is you can't have high inflation and you can't have the stock market do better than inflation. That's really, I'm not saying it's the only chance you have, but if you're retiring and you're and you're pulling out an income stream out of a 401k or an IRA, you, you've got to have stocks in there to have a chance. You know, 
Well, no, you ain't, gonna be, you ain't gonna be doing on Bitcoin going up and down forty percent every six months. So, well, well, and and to add to Joe's point, you know that that's the thing that I just want to continue. We just really want to drive this point home. The stock market can go up in a rising interest rate environment. You know, we know that this is the first time in years that the Fed is finally going to get lifted off the launch pad and start increasing the federal funds rate. But even if they raised it four times this year at a quarter of a percent at a time, that puts the federal funds rate at 1%. That is not, to take a, a favorite saying from Jeff, that is not the end of capitalism as we know it. And so the market still can be going up in a rising interest rate environment. And let's all not forget that stocks is the best hedge against monetary inflation. You know, that is the, the one of the key components to a portfolio to help your portfolio outpace monetary inflation. But as all of our longtime listeners know, we're a balanced manager. We want to build every portfolio on the foundation of high-quality fixed income. <clears throat> and for more years than I can count, fixed income, you can't get too excited about your total yield to maturity or your total return in your bond portfolio, but you have to look at it as a safe haven, you know, safety and income. The income's not that great, but it can definitely help you on the downside when we have these types of pullbacks. And, yes, the last, you know, Thursday and Friday, we had this market reversal where we started to see some higher levels of buying and some higher volume coming in and picking up a lot of a lot of stocks at these very and some in very discounted levels but all overall at a very good discounted level now we got to give it a little bit more time you know to all of our listeners you know you have to have a buy list ready at all times but we've got to let this run just a little bit longer because it's it's almost like you know with 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 Putin he's already done some things that I didn't anticipate for him to do uh, I know the Biden administration was breaking their own arm, patting themselves on the back, saying that he was going to invade. They were a, a, a week uh, a little too early on when that invasion was going to occur. But Putin is definitely doing some things that's kind of shocking the world. And so we have to be very careful in here and let this thing kind of run its course for a period of time before, you know, we get too overcommitted with maybe putting some money back into the market. Okay. Uh, well, you, one of the things you said you got to have your buy list ready. What's what? What's the other side of that? You got to have a sell list ready too. That is true. In this, in this kind of in this in this kind of environment, you got to have both lists. Um, I'm more inclined to to be very careful about. I I don't. I, I'm not convinced that what happened in the last two days wasn't a big head fake from the markets. And and I told you guys about a couple of scenarios that could happen over in Ukraine uh, because the guy's unpredictable. And with 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 someone like that, it's that unpredictable. You got to be very careful uh, in the portfolio, like what you said is what you said, Kyle, is not get too committed. If you have this thousand point day, you got to put it all in to catch that thousand point day down. You got to be careful about that. See, we're coming up on the end of the end of the break. Yep, let's take that break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from you Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at one 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Moneywise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So right before we went to commercial break, we were just making a point that in market conditions like this, you always want to have both your sell list and your buy list. And, Jeff, you're making the point that even though we've had a nice Thursday-Friday reversal in markets, we saw some good volume coming in, that just to be very careful in and around here because this could be some type of head fake in the market. And that if you do have a buy list together, and you do want to start taking advantage. You feel comfortable to start stepping into the market. This is a period of time where you might want to be dollar-cost averaging. If there's a particular stock that you like, maybe not put in all, commit all of your assets into that particular stock that you want to own, but stair-step it in over the course of a week or two. Another idea you can do is you can just do a, a targeted rebalancing. So if you have some positions in your portfolio that have had a significant pullback, you might look for those particular stocks to just do some directed rebalancing and bring them back up to the allocation level that you want them in your portfolio, as opposed to just doing a mass rebalance of every single position in your portfolio. But here's something else you need to ask yourself. If you're working with a financial advisor, financial planner, someone possibly on the financial sales side of the business, not on the asset management side of the business as a fiduciary like we are at Davidson Capital Management who actively manage our client assets, if you haven't seen anything done in your portfolio this year at all, you might want to start be you might want to start asking yourself this question why and asking that same question to your advisor. What what have you done in my portfolio? We have had a corrective move in the market, albeit up until the Russian invasion of Ukraine, more of a run-of-the-mill corrective move that we were long overdue for. Right. The Russia-Ukraine situation definitely threw in a massive curveball into that situation and exacerbated what would be considered more of a normal market correction. But if you haven't seen any changes in your portfolio, you haven't received a phone call about making an adjustment to strategy, if there hasn't been any proactivity in your portfolio, you really need to start to question, am I with an actual asset manager who's actively managing my money, who's constantly watching the market and making adjustments in real market conditions, or am I with somebody who just sells me financial products and their advice to me is stay the course? And, and to expand on that a little bit, um, the, the biggest thing, the biggest change that, that, that's happening right now is the fact that we are now in a rising interest rate environment that's been telegraphed to us by the Fed. Uh, we don't know the pace. We don't know how many. We don't know how long it's going to last. And we haven't had this, we haven't had a, a change raising interest rates from the Federal Reserve 
since December the 20th of 2018. That was three years ago was the last time the Fed funds rate was, was raised. Uh, so like Kyle said, if your advisor has done nothing, I, I would, I would run it back even further than this. Go back a year. If your asset allocation is exactly the same as it was a year ago, the environment that we're in right now is is different than the environment a year ago, which is different than the environment in the spring of 2020. And if you're in the exact same securities, in the exact same asset allocation, that's uh, you, you can't just stick with the same things in it in a portfolio and expect them to work in any market environment. That's not the way, that's not the way investing works. Stocks fall in favor. Stocks fall out of favor. Asset classes are in favor. Asset classes fall out of favor. It's this rotation. It's uh, cycles. You know, we're, we're, we're starting a, a different cycle now with interest rates going higher. Yes, Joe. And Jeff, it's interesting you say that. Because I had a couple of conversations with clients this week about setting realistic expectations on what they want, what they should see in their portfolio. You know, period. That, that that's a very what good are, point. What are your expectations of your advisor? What are their expectations on the portfolios that they're managing or assets they're managing, what have you? And, and I think that's what you have to set. You you can't look at the last three years and go twenty oh, percent on the S and B average the last three years, and we're never going to have a down year. That's unrealistic. It's extremely unrealistic. So you need to look at your track record of who you're dealing with. If they what have is their one. plan and what is your strategy? Sorry. Well, and, and no, and no, that, that's, a, that's a very important point that you bring up, Joe, because I think investors, we talked about this on past shows, the complacency. Because the lat, you know, end of even well, when you have three years like when you have three years like this, it's very complacent. easy yeah. to get complacent. Exactly. And, and, and the next time you, you look up and you've got a 10, 15% correction, and it's like, well, where did this come from? Uh, I mean, I was, everything was great for three years. It was just sailing along. Everything's wonderful. And then, oh, we got a correction. Well, you know, when you look at changes in the portfolio, you look at the way that our portfolios are allocated, the security selection, especially on the fixed income side. The fixed income side hasn't had the, the kind of changes that we've made to them in the history of our company. We have never made this many changes in the fixed income side of the portfolio. And uh, you know, relative to the market, the fixed income side uh, so far this year has done the best. We're catching up on the stock side. We're, we're, we'll probably, we have a, we have another week like this. We might be right back to the S&P 500 very easily. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> this is the kind of year where you have to be active because cha- things are, are changing quickly. I mean, and if something our, goes, I mean, something goes minute. awry, something goes yeah. awry overseas, one of the things that I'm not going to talk about on the radio show, these one of these tail-type events, if something like that was to occur overseas, then we're, then there's going to have to be massive changes to uh, the narrative for the year, the asset allocations in the portfolio. And, and, at the, and at the end of the day, in order to build and maintain wealth for the long term, it is about active management asset allocation, 
security selection. That is the ultimate key. And keeping your hole shallower on the downside. That is really how you build and maintain that long-term nest egg to be able to lift, to, to be able to live on. And to Joe's point, before we get to the top of the hour break, it's about having the right expectations in the portfolio, not getting complacent over what's happened in the market in the last three years. And also at the very end of the day, keeping your emotions in check. That will reward your portfolio really the most, not making rash decisions in your portfolio based on emotion. With that, we're coming up to the top of the hour break, so we're going to take the break, go into the news, and when we come back, we'll be diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program and continuing with investor education, so stay tuned, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. You Money Wise guys will be back after the news. All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We've got my father, John, my brother, Jeff. I'm your host, Kyle Davidson, and we are diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at DavidsonCap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906 0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the MoneyWise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. If you missed the first hour of MoneyWise, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past MoneyWise programs. You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at davidsoncap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Well, as as we like to utilize every second hour of the Money Wise program going into investor education, and any longtime listeners of the program know that we definitely love our top ten lists. Uh, I guess it's a little bit of an ode to uh, to David Letterman. Uh, but we have a top ten list for this afternoon's show called the Ten Myths of Retirement Planning. And so we'll dive right in with myth number one. And that first myth is you will not need as much money during retirement as you do right now. Now, this I would say the financial entertainment press, the legacy distribution system for Years and years and years, as long as I've been in the business, which, you know, for me is coming up on 16 years I've been doing this, they have the kind of industry standard that you only need 70 to 80% of what you're currently earning while you're working in retirement to maintain your lifestyle once you are in retirement. And, you know, very honestly, what I try to educate prospective clients uh, that come in here to Davidson Capital Management is that we don't abide by that 70 to 80% of your current income in retirement to maintain your lifestyle. In fact, most instances I say you need 95 to 
of what you're currently earning now, you need to be able to withdraw that same amount of money in retirement from your nest egg in order to maintain your lifestyle. Because the one, I think, variable that the legacy distribution system doesn't uh, calculate, doesn't uh, put into their calculation or account for is the fact that what's the one thing that you have a heck of a lot more of in retirement than you do during your working years. Leisure time. That's right. You have a lot more leisure time, so you have more time to travel. If you're into hunting, fishing, golfing, those are not cheap hobbies by any stretch of the imagination. Or now you're getting into new hobbies that take more time and more money. And so, you know, that myth that you don't need as much money in retirement as you do right now Again, I think it's a complete myth and it's complete bogus. Do you want to add something, Jeff? Well, go ahead, Dan. Well, I was going to say also medical expenses. That's the one thing that uh, that's really the X factor, the unknown factor as you get older because that's, that's true. definitely going up. Well, that's true. We don't know the, the inflationary costs of medical care. Obviously, as you get older, you need more and more attention from healthcare professionals. Uh, but I think something else, Dad, that, that's a big unknown that's out there, and I think um, I'm not even going out of limb on saying this, but with, with the deficits that we currently face and the national debt, I mean, to say that taxes are going to be going down in the future, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I, and so I think retirees are folks that are working towards retirement and building their nest egg. That's something that they need to keep, keep in the back of their mind is, you know, they shouldn't anticipate, oh, well, I'm going to only have a 10 or 12 percent effective tax rate in retirement because nobody knows what their tax rate is going to be. And again, we're assuming that taxes will be going up as far as the eye can see because of the deficits, because of the national debt that we have. I think maybe turning this myth around and turning it into a question is something that we at Davidson Capital Management do time and again when we're meeting with prospective clients and they ask this question, well, what do you think the portfolio can produce an income in retirement? They may maybe the, the maybe you don't know exactly what you think you will need but maybe if you had an estimate of what the what your portfolio might produce if you were to retire right now or if you were to retire say 10 years from now at a certain rate of return based on the portfolio nest egg that you have right now and then apply our maximum withdrawal rate here that we have at our firm of 7% a year and say do you think this number will be enough money for you to retire on uh, when you reach retirement years, let's say that the, the that they bring a portfolio of a certain size, and we and we estimate that it'll grow at seven to eight percent a year for another ten years, and the number we start off with is a million dollars. We'll just round it off. Well, at our maximum rate of withdrawal, that's seventy thousand dollars a year, seven percent of a million dollars. So, is is seventy thousand? Do you think seventy thousand dollars a year, based on a one million dollar portfolio? will be enough to keep your lifestyle where it is right now. If we find that there's that the cl- the client is spending $140,000 a year on their lifestyle, that's $70,000 in retirement, we're not even taking into account any social security of course, might not be enough to support their current lifestyle. So now we now we got to now we got to look at okay, are we going to start saving more now? to increase that nest egg size so that we can get a little closer to uh, to that target uh, 
income, or do we need to think about uh, lowering living expenses, lowering, lowering, lowering liver expenses, lowering expectations uh, for income in retirement? All three. Well, I, Maybe I think all three. I think one thing that a lot of retirees can get or pre-retirees can get in trouble is they go in with expectations that well, my portfolio needs to be designed to where I'm I'm outperforming the S and P 500 each and every year, and if you're creating a financial plan that takes that scenario in, 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 into effect, that is extremely extremely dangerous. And by saying that. I need to have my portfolio outperforming the S&P each and every year. It's unrealistic. It's very unrealistic. And the one, one of the big problems that pre-retirees have going into maybe a professional asset manager relationship is they have unrealistic expectations. And what they need to do is they need to establish a goal, a plan. You know, my goal for this money is to grow 8% per year. Like you said, Jeff, let's sit down and work out a plan. And what are your goals? And say, okay, if you only need to earn 7 maybe 8% annualized over, you know, after all fees and expenses for a lengthy period of time, let's say the next 10 or 15 years, to have a comfortable retirement, then that's really what you should focus on and how you should position your portfolio and allocate it. But if you're the type of investor that's like, i got to beat the S&P each and every year, you're setting yourself up for disappointment and failure because it is next to impossible to do. Well, when we come back from the break, I want to take a different approach. That's that's one type of client that we see uh, here at Davidson Capital, but there's also another type I want to talk about when we come back. Okay, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the Money Wise program, you can send our emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we're focusing on the second hour of this weekend's program, the 10 myths of retirement planning. We're actually still working on myth number one, uh, that myth again. Uh, you will not need as much money during retirement as you do right now. And so we were talking before we went to break about setting goals, and having appropriate goals in place and appropriate expectations in place with your nest egg as you're going into retirement. And, Jeff, I know you wanted to add a little bit to that. Well, that is that is one. We see this that this type of scenario with some prospective clients that are looking for maximum performance. They're, they're, they're very much focused on performance, and we understand that. But I think another type of client that we that we're seeing and maybe this is an offshoot of of the, of the new target date funds that have been out here about the last 10 years and that's this assumption that as i get closer and closer to retirement i need to have more and more of my money in in bond investments and in fixed income investments and less and less in stock because i need to be taking less risk and so by having more money in fixed income well that would be traditionally saying well i'm taking less risk well that's all fine and good in a normal interest rate environment. And I use that in quotations. As, but this is not a normal interest Definitely rate Definitely not normal. And we have not had a normal interest rate environment for a very long time. And it appears 
that we may not have a normal interest rate environment for a number of years into the future. So <clears throat> having a asset allocation strategy that as I'm approaching retirement, I need to have less than what we would recommend an, uh, an allocation in stocks in the current rate environment and more of an allocation to bonds, but yet still have a uh, expected rate of return of 8% is not realistic. Mm-hmm. Is not realistic at all. And so m- maybe the two tie together is about having realistic expectations and understanding that in order to deliver those expectations, you have to have a certain ratio of stocks to bonds based on the existing current interest rate environment. Yes, Dave? Well, just say we were looking at a traditional balanced account, which in the old days would be 60% stock, 40% bond. Well, if you're at a 10% return in stocks, that means you're going to get 6% from your stock side of the portfolio. The problem is the 40% that would be sitting in bonds with a 10-year bond you know, slightly you know, less than 3, you're, you're not getting up to the 7% which we have seen is a safe withdrawal rate going back our 25 years. But it is because of the bond component. The bond component right now is changing the math on what people need for retirement. But I don't think the retirees are picking up on that fact, Dad. I, I don't think they are. And when you're talking about target date funds putting more money into bonds as people approach retirement, what is the most dangerous asset class out there right now? It is bonds. Fixed income. Because we don't know very how few the people Fed, say very very few people would say that. No, I, nobody would say that. I don't think other than people that run bonds like us. We either know. Than us, we, than us. we know. We know that it's dangerous. You get the Bill Grosses of the world that come out and say it's a new normal. They don't want to come out and say it's a new bubble. They don't want to say the bubble word connected with bonds. So. Are we moving on to myth number two? Myth number two. Myth number two. My retirement years won't last that long. The fact is, today's today, individuals in their 50s and 60s, of course, are generally healthier than previous generations. So if you're 65 years old right now, your life expectancy is approximately 21 years. And with a life expectancy of 21 years means that you have a 50% chance of dying by year 21 and a 50% chance of living longer. So if you're 65 right now, you have a 50-50 chance of of living past 86 years old. And so that again goes along with creating that plan and having your goals and realizing is my nest egg sufficient enough to sustain me? Till I'm 86, or till I'm 95, and if you and have, nobody knows, and if you have a seven percent rate of withdrawal in your portfolio, and you've got a hundred percent fixed income earning you two percent, you're not going to get there. It's not. It may not last 21 years. You know, as I always, as I say to prospective clients, if we all knew when the last day on this earth would be for each one of us, man, retirement planning would be so much easier. But unfortunately, and I guess fortunately, we don't know when that day is going to be. No, myth number three, you can afford to start planning for your retirement a few years before your retirement date. In fact, it is never too soon to begin planning for retirement. Time is one of the most powerful tools in the accumulation of wealth. The sooner you start to accumulate assets and plan for your retirement years, the better, the less you will need to set aside each year in order to achieve the same objective. Now, I've talked about this over and over and over again 
for a number of years using the example of someone that was just fresh out of college, that just graduated, just got their diploma, and they get their first job. And if they had a, if they, this, this, this $1 million goal to have in your, in your retirement years, you start off your retirement with a one, $1 million nest egg. If you started saving when you were 21, 22 years old and you save for 40 years to get to 62, the, you would have to save what amounts to about a, skipping lunch every day. Brown bagging out. it. By brown. brown bagging it going to work. About about $8 a day. It's like $250 a month. If you save that amount of money at 22 years old and you never change it, you would accumulate, you would accumulate about a million dollars at an 8% compounded rate of return. You know what our listeners can do? They can just go into Google and Google the term time value of money and read the explanation. I mean, it's very, very simple. And, and again, if you're someone who's in their 40s, maybe in their early 50s, and you haven't started saving for retirement, I mean, this is when you need to buckle down and start putting the pedal to the metal uh, to, to try to save as much as possible. It's never too late. As we've always said on the radio show, pay yourself first. But this myth number three rolls right into myth number four for those individuals that have failed to plan for their retirement. And that myth number four is that Social Security will provide enough income for my retirement years. Bottom line, Social Security accounts for approximately 38% of the average retirement of the average retiree's income. So, uh, you know, you're you're talking. You know, 62% that still needs to be made up. And, and, and again, to be very blunt, if you're relying on the federal government to take care of you in retirement, again, you are setting yourself up for failure. We all know the Social Security system is broken. It needs a substantial overhaul. Um, the fact that Social Security benefits with cost of living adjustments, or COLA for short, have become smaller and smaller and smaller over the years. Um, if you're one of those individuals that's just relying on Social Security to take care of you, again, you're planning for failure in your retirement years and possibly working to the day that you die. You have to start planning and you have to start putting away. You know, if you follow myth number three, then you're going to wind up falling into the trap of myth number four. So myth number five, I have my pension plan to provide for my retirement income and will not need any additional savings. Boy, this is extremely, extremely dangerous to think that a traditional pension or defined benefit plan is going to take care of you throughout the rest of your retirement years. And, and again, as, as we all know, uh, with the invention of the 401K through the Tax Reform Act of 1978, this is where corporate America has been going. They've been shifting away from the defined benefit plan. So there might only be a handful of listeners of this weekend's program that have the luxury of having a defined benefit plan. But we have always recommended at Davidson Capital Management that if you have the ability to take a cash 
lump sum distribution from your pension. And the and the way that you can do that is, first off, your pension has to have over an 80% uh, funding rate by the corporation to take a 100% lump sum. And then if it has a 60 to 80% funded rate from the corporation, you can take a partial lump sum distribution. And then any pension that's less than 60% funded, you're going to have to take the pension payment. And I know, you know, one particular organization here in town that falls in that category of having an underfunded pension. But, you know, the one thing that they don't tell you when they give you the options that you can select at time of retirement, whether to take a lump sum or to take the annuity payments from your pension, is that these pension payments are not adjusted for inflation. So maybe that fifteen hundred so that fifteen hundred dollars that you started receiving in your pension on month one and year one is going to be buying a heck of a lot less goods and services ten years from now. And I think that's one area that retirees forget that monetary inflation is eroding your purchasing power and once you start taking that pension payment, there's no going back. You're done. You're locked out. That's what you're going to be getting for the rest of your life. And it's not adjusted for inflation, so each and every month that goes by, you're going to be able to buy a little less goods and services. So you need to keep that in the back of your mind, and that's one main reason, one huge reason why we recommend to take a lump sum distribution, if you can, from your traditional pension. With that, we're coming to the bottom of the hour break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after the news. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we've been talking this hour about the 10 myths the ten myths of retirement planning. Um, we've gotten to myth, and we came to the bottom of the hour break. We're on myth number five, uh, which was I have my pension plan to provide for my retirement income and will not need any additional savings. And as we went to break, was talking about what we recommend to prospective clients at Davidson Capital Management when you can take the lump sum distribution from your pension to do that, for one, so you now have full, complete control of those assets. Also, so you can put those assets to work for you in an allocation model that can provide you with growth and something that's going to be appropriate for you to help make that money last your entire uh, lifespan in retirement, but also to help combat, combat monetary inflation. Because again, that's one thing that the pension provider is not going to tell you at a pre-retirement meeting is that once you annuitize that pension and start taking that monthly check, that's the check that you're going to continue to receive. It's not going to be adjusted for inflation. And so that $1,500 as an example that you start receiving each and every month will buy less goods and services as every month goes by. So imagine, and think of it very easily, will $1,500 20 years ago buy the same amount of goods and service as it does today? No, because of monetary inflation. That is the one thing that is not discussed enough with pre-retirees. It's one aspect 
uh, of the market that that individuals don't think about a lot and why I've always been a big advocate that every brokerage statement across this country should have a notation of what monetary inflation was for that reporting period so they realize, oh, I did lose a little bit of value in my CD because of monetary inflation or I lost value of my money sitting in cash in the bank vault because of monetary inflation. It, It affects pensions the exact same way. So myth number six, Medicare will take care of my health insurance. And I'm glad that this is on the list of myths because this is a conversation I have when I go through my financial road mapping exercises with clients. When we work with our clients that are working towards that retirement, I don't want to say retirement goal line. I would say retirement is the 50-yard line. So as they're working to the 50-yard line of the field to go into retirement, when I start, when I have our clients work on their monthly budgets, I always want them to put in some type of figure for supplemental insurance to Medicare. I always tell our clients that do not rely 100% on Medicare. And you know, the bottom line is, is that Medicare pays less than half of a typical retiree's medical bills, and that you have to have a supplemental plan. And Dad, I mean, you're absolutely you're an absolute authority on this. No, no, because, no, that's you're absolutely correct, Kyle. And so, I always want to build into a retirement budget, and this is again an exercise for any pre-retiree that's working on their monthly budget to include. What do you pay, around four uh, $500 a month? It's getting more and more expensive. It is, okay. So uh, your supplemental plan is getting more yes. and more expensive. So I would say... And we've were, already reduced one of the portions of it. So would you say for a pre-retiree to maybe work in four to maybe $600 a month for that supplemental policy? Uh, or even more? Uh, actually, it's going to be it's going to start to be more than that. Really? Yes. That's what it is currently. Maybe six, to, it is. Maybe six to $800? It's, uh, it's getting there. It's getting there. So the bottom line is, is that... Well, the problem is, at this point in time, because of Obamacare, we, we don't totally know the effects yet. You know, th- this has not got through the system. And the other thing that doesn't come out in this that they won't tell you is you're not going to see all the same health professionals you saw before. Not every doctor wants Medicare patients. That's true. And so... There's instances where your your specialists are going to change. That's not all. That's another myth too. Is that you may <laughs> you're not, adding myth number eleven? You, you may be going <laughs> you, to San Antonio to see someone you want to see. Myth: You can keep all of your current healthcare yes. providers. Yeah, that's not myth. even that's your not, primary care. That's positions. not true on Medicare, much less Obamacare. So anyone working out a monthly budget pre-retiree, they need to figure in. A health insurance cost, even if you're going into Medicare because you're going to have to have that supplemental policy. Uh, myth number seven, all my assets are in safe vehicles for long-term accumulation and do not need to be watched closely. What the heck are I mean, safe vehicles for long-term accumulation? What do, what do they mean is, by that? There is none. Well, I, I know an annuity salesman would say this annuity, yes. this indexed annuity, this variable annuity, that's that's safe. It's quote-unquote guaranteed. That talk should have ended Hardy in 08 or 09. I mean, they, they might be talking about certificates of deposit yes. or government bonds. Yes. But those safe vehicles for long-term accumulation aren't accumulating a whole lot. I was about in, to say. In, they, in today's interest rates. They need to define what is accumulation. <laughs> That's a very loose term Something right less there. than 1% is not accumulating to me. I mean, I mean the, the, the bottom line, anyone 
going into retirement with, oh, I've got everything in CDs, I've got everything in my money market account, I've got everything in fixed income, I'm safe, I can go on my trips, on my vacations, I can go play with the grandkids and the family, I don't have to think about it, don't have to worry about it. If you don't work with an investment professional who has discretionary control and is a registered investment advisor to manage those assets for you, then you're the portfolio manager. and you cannot- Well, there is a portfolio manager. Whether you hire one or not, you've hired yourself. That's right. Yeah, that, that means that you're the portfolio manager and you cannot fall asleep behind the wheel and following this methodology of, oh, I'm safe, I don't need to watch it closely. Again, setting yourself up for failure. This is why we've always used the Money Wise program to educate and to enlighten pre-retirees and retirees that you always have to be vigilant in your portfolio, whether you're doing it yourself or whether you're working with an investment professional, it's something that has to be paid attention to. Well, I mean, you are the portfolio manager on your 401k plan. That's right. That That's right. If you don't have a self-directed brokerage option, and, and again, that brings up another important point, something that a lot of 401k plans don't talk about, is in-service distribution options for participants in 401ks that are age 59 and a half and older. If you're planning on working another five or six years, guess what? At 59 and a half, you have the ability to hire an investment professional, roll your 401k assets out into a self-directed IRA that you can now get professionally managed. And for someone who's amassed 500, 600, 800, a million dollars in their 401k and they don't feel comfortable with what they're doing in their own account, this is when you might want to start looking at your options as you're continuing to work and participating in the 401k for looking at a self-directed, uh, either a self-directed or an in-service distribution option in the 401k. Um, so myth number eight, I can always use the equity in my home to add to my retirement income. Well, this might have been a thought pattern prior to the housing collapse back from 2006 and 2007, and with home values just starting to come back well, and revive. You know, they're bubbling up in here. There's no question about that. They, they are, depending upon what part of the country you live in. Um, but again, as we've always educated and always talked about here on the Money Wise program, is that you should view your house as where you live. Do not view it as an investment. If you have your house paid off, yeah, you have equity built into it. It's kind of a break glass in case of emergency type thing. But if you're developing a financial plan in retirement that revolves around taking a reverse mortgage out or taking a home equity line of credit out and and living off of the equity bills into your house, again, you're planning and setting yourself up for failure. And again, with the financial crisis back in 08, which again, housing market had a lot to lend itself to to that financial crisis. There's a lot of folks that still could be underwater, have zero or very little home equity. Uh, So we always say don't look at your house as a piggy bank. Look at your house as where you live. And if you have equity built into it, fantastic. But don't include it in a financial plan that, hey, this is a register that I'm going to be able to ring if I need to. Anything else you wanted to add? Myth number nine. If need be, my family can always help me out. This is my plan. (laughs) 
Well, that's myth number nine. Yeah, right? that, that's myth. That's myth Usually number myth nine. Number one. Yeah, myth number nine. The fact is that many people use this as an excuse for dele- delaying retirement planning, but in reality, no one wants to rely on other family members to help them out financially to fund their retirement years. And if anything, these are the years when you want true financial independence and do not want to feel as if you are a burden on your family. Uh, it must be some very interesting Thanksgivings out there. I mean, the fact that this many people could be getting along, I thought it would be, would be the last people that you'd want to rely on would be family members. You well, I, I mean, and unfortunately, again, if if you're the type of investor or the lack thereof, not investing, not planning, you know, believing in a lot of these myths that we've already discussed – then you're going to wind up falling into the category where you're going to be looking to your children or looking to other family members to take care of you in retirement and, again, becoming a burden on them. And I, and, and I would think that that's, that's not a conversation that any parent wants to have with their child saying, well, hey, Sally, hey, you know, I'm going to be moving in with you now. I hope you have an uh, yeah, extra room uh, in your house. Yeah, I'm going to be, because I did such a poor job planning for retirement, now I'm going to come live with you. How, what do you think about that? Or, or then the parents become a travel agent for guilt trips and say, well, I paid for your college. I did I all this you. for you. I raised you. You owe me this. I would recommend try not to be one of those parents that's a you owe me this kind of parent. You have to do the planning yourself and prepare for your retirement. Well, we're going to take our last commercial break. When we come back, we'll be wrapping up the 10 Myths of retirement planning and we'll do that after this you're listening to money wise with davidson capital management you money wise guys will be back after the break welcome back you're listening to money wise with davidson capital management if you'd like to learn more about the money wise guys you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on monday to discuss your personal financial situation you can reach us in our local corpus christi office at nine zero six zero zero seven zero or toll free at one eight hundred two seven five two one six two and if you'd like to send us an email you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com so we spent the last hour of this weekend's moneywise program going through the 10 myths of retirement planning and we finally arrived at myth number 10 and that myth is money is everything when it comes to retirement planning uh, now, money is important, but it isn't everything because, again, you could have $4 million nest egg saved up, but you're spending $400,000 a year to maintain your lifestyle, and guess what? That nest egg isn't going to last too long. And so you could you could have been a fantastic saver, but if you're going into retirement with a massive amount of debt, Consumer debt, you know, huge house payment, a bunch of car payments, a lot of toys, a whole high monthly expenses, and and you're leading this very very extravagant lifestyle. Doesn't matter how much you, you you've saved because you have to pay attention to what you're spending. Yeah, it's about creating a proper balance. And, and, it's, well, and it's pretty rare that we see folks that have accumulated tr- large nest eggs. But but also have been have really big spending habits. Usually it's 
their nest egg is moderate to maybe a little below average, but they have big spending habits. Well, well what I see also is we'll sell, see people that save quite a bit of money, and then they get in retirement, and they're way too frugal. They're so afraid they're going to outlive their money, they won't even enjoy, be real, enjoy yeah. some of the fruits of their labor. I mean, I see well, this it, more. It, it's, 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 it's about a happy medium, a happy balance. But I think that it goes back to your point is that retirement planning has to stay flexible. You have to be malleable because life can change in the blink of an eye. Markets change each and every day. Allocations can adjust. You have to be flexible. This is why we're such humongous advocates against, again, let me repeat, against annuities of any shape or form because it takes away that flexibility right. and that malleability. We're, we're very much against taking, if you if you work for a corporation that offers a, a, a pension plan and you and you take the pension payment and don't take the lump sum. We're very much against taking the pension payment because you're locking yourself in to this amount of money for the rest of your life. It will be never be a penny more or a penny less. And no one knows that that's going to be enough with that's your right. other retirement income to get through retirement. So like, like Kyle said, and then we'll reiterate it again, flexibility is the key because markets – don't say the same. Life doesn't stay the same. I, I, and, to, and to me, of the ten myths, the one that 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 really I strikes a chord with strikes you strikes a chord. I would not even consider retiring without a supplemental plan to my Medicare. Do not rely on Medicare for your health costs, because that is the one guarantee. I would say you're definitely going to be using as you get older. So it's death, taxes, and increase in medical care, <laughs> increased cost of medical care. Yes. Those are the three now. It's not just death and taxes. Well, that's right. Inflation and inflation medical Inflation is all – I don't know that I've ever lived in, in two years in a row that we haven't had a pos, positive inflation. We've had inflation practically every year of my life. And, the, and, and if I've been living 48, I have no reason to doubt that the next 48 are going to have inflation also. Now, despite what the government says, current interest, current inflation rates being somewhere less than two percent, I don't know anyone that uh, isn't paying more than two percent for their living expenses, and so I'm a little suspicious of how the government's computing these numbers. And you know, we've always used at least a minimum three percent uh, inflation rate, and so if if you're if you're accumulating assets into retirement. And you unfortunately have received advice or believe that as you approach those retirement years, you should have less and less money in stocks and more and more money in a in fixed income or bond investments. There isn't a bond investment out there that has a uh, that is uh, what we would consider to be investment grade that's yielding more than three percent unless you go way way out well, there's the no one yielding seven and we're talking about in our experience our 25 years we've seen where you can take seven percent out of a balanced portfolio and still have a portfolio of the size still, but you what started I'm, with. yeah but what I'm saying yeah. is is that greater than the size you, you can't even get a fixed income investment that we would consider investing in that's investment grade that even reaches what we believe is is at least the minimum true rate of inflation. 
No, and, and, and again, everyone's inflationary rate is different, but if you're going into retirement anticipating that your inflationary rate's going down, not with medical care costs. No. Not with medical care costs. I don't think medical, co- Medicare costs are growing at, at 3% or less a year. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, in, I think it goes college tuition, medical costs. And those so, are and probably the, that, high single-digit rates of inflation. For for tuition, it's actually I've seen I've seen statistics it's double digits, with 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 college costs. So, you know the, the the bottom the bottom line is is that you have to prepare, you have to plan. As I've always tried to educate on this program, that if if you're listening to the show and you're six months, twelve months out from retiring. This is when you need to start getting on the horse and start interviewing investment professionals that you might be interested in working with, finding out what they have to offer, seeing how they work with their clients, find out if they're taking discretionary control and are acting as a fiduciary, as a registered investment advisor does, like we do here at Davidson Capital Management, or are they only going to sell you investment products and do what's suitable for you, which does not which does not mean putting your interests in front of their own or the firm that employs them, you need to start doing that work in advance. Do not get caught behind the eight ball. I don't know how many times I've talked about it on this show, but since we're talking about retirement planning, I always want to bring this up. You know, I've met with some folks that get caught behind the eight ball and they're scrambling to try to figure out who they're going to work with they wind up making a very hasty decision because they sat in one sales presentation said wow that sounds good they threw around the word guaranteed a lot and guaranteed this rate of return and guaranteed that and all these guarantees well i'm just going to sign on the dotted line and then they're toast their portfolio is toast and they're locked into something they've lost their flexibility they lost their flexibility and the bill of goods that was sold to them was completely false smoke and mirrors, and then they wind up regretting that. And then a lot of times we wind up working with these people where we're having to unwind these hasty decisions that they made and sometimes can cost them quite significantly. And it can't be done overnight and, either. And exactly, and it can't be done overnight. So, you know, again, you have to plan. You have to prepare. Do not get sucked in to these myths and if there's anything that we can do for you at Davidson Capital Management, you want to talk about your your financial situation, give us a call, 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And with that, we would like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. For my father, John, and my brother, Jeff, this is Kyle Davidson saying have a fantastic weekend. And to your financial health, we will talk to you next week. <laughs> 